It don't matter what I try I just can't win and I don't know why There's a fork in every road I pick the wrong one and then I go American loser, yes I am Disenfranchised from everything well, I fall up and I fall down An American loser the day I was born Live from a Shared Universe podcast studio, it's American Loser, folks. My name's KP Burke, and this is the podcast that puts the spotlight firmly on second place, bringing you weird tales from American history and putting a little bit of emphasis on the people who maybe just came in second place. We got my delve of a dad here. How are you, sir? Oh, we're doing good. We're, we're home again, home again. Back. We are. The crew the is back shores. together. Yeah, yeah. So we got uh, LP back in the building from Florida. Uh, we got uh, the handsome big kahuna behind the ones and twos. How are you? I'm good, gents. How are you? Oh, listen to that chocolatey smell. <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> Welcome to Hot 97. <laughs> there is a little bit of a, an NPR, but almost like a night calls kind of a thing. Like you, you could, you do have a good voice for it. Well, thank you. It's, <laughs> and of course. Of course, we did take care of uh, the good people over at the Founding Losers. Uh, actually, uh, Kahuna and Ming both got their Founding Loser patches today. Oh, they are awesome. They mm. are so cool. I'm pretty happy with how those turned out. That is, uh, as my father, the scouter that he is, couldn't help but have hey, patches made. It's not an event unless you get a patch out of the deal somewhere. <laughs> it's true. And quick shout out to our friend, uh, one of our first uh, Patreon members, and also a guy who did some pretty cool stuff for us, got us onto uh, Wikipedia. Uh, John Greco, we're sorry we didn't get you a patch yet. I don't know what the fuck happened. I'll figure it out. I'm blaming the post office. Uh, John, I'll sign mine and I'll send it to you. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh, wow. Autographed edition. The problem if, is this. If, if you want that, message KP. <laughs> you get a big John did not get, uh, He did not get a Founding Losers patch. However, he did receive 9,000 votes for Maricopa County, Arizona from the past <laughs> presidential. So sorry about that, John. Mistakes were made. <laughs> I got um, Forgive us, please. Oh, if I hope. I hope. Um, we got a damn good one today. So uh, there's been a couple of high water marks on this show, mm-hmm. and I like to think that every loser's good because we do find something interesting to talk about. We're not filling the time over here, um, but this guy in particular, he is going to dare I say it, Lawrence Patrick. He's going to uh, maybe earn a spot on the mantle next to guys like Emperor Norton. He's he's up there. He's up there. I mean, oh, this, you this takes the- us. If you can see the smile on my face right now. <laughs> he takes us back to our real roots. I mean, this is a no-doubter. This guy's a loser. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's pretty great. Great name, too. That That's the marquee of being... Uh, Engelbert uh, Humberdig? It's up there. Oh. What a, what a great name he has. You're actually going to dig this guy's name. He's a piece of work. Um, he's up there with Devil Dan Sickles, too. So he's that good of a loser. We got something we're firing off here. But real quick, we do want to also make sure you guys are aware of the new format for the show. Three free episodes a month, every Tuesday, on the first, second, and third Tuesday of every month, you will get a free episode of this very show with me and my Delphi dad and the Kahuna taking you on weird, fun adventures through history. <laughs> I am kidding. Um, no, that's 100% true, though. We are going to go ahead and give you those three free episodes. And then the fourth episode at the end of the month, if you guys want to help us out, in order to help me continue to buy the Kahuna's love and allow Ming to say that I'm friends with him on social media, I have to pay for studio time over here. So help me out a little bit if you can on that one. Uh, and by doing that, you can join for either the $3 or the $5 mark over on Patreon or just follow us over at American Loser Podcast. If you can't afford it right now, I totally understand it. Our good friend, uh, I, I'm going to screw up her name, or I'm really going to screw up her name, and she called me on. She knew that we were Bridget Haftelin. 
right? I'm going to say that that's her name, Heftelin, H-A-F-D-E-L-E-I-N. Uh, real good people, right? Uh, college student, fan of the show. And she's actually been working on some uh, art for us for something that's going to come out really soon. And uh, maybe perhaps, Dad, you were the inspiration for a graphic she designed for us? Uh-oh. Oh, Uh-oh. Yeah, it's pretty great. So uh, I look forward to doing business with Bridget on that. We're going to send her some money as a thank you for that one. And then probably figure out a way to uh, get around on that. So a $5 membership over at Patreon means that you get the exclusive merch. means you also get to vote on losers coming up in the future. The $3 mark just gets you the free episode. Helps us, you know, keeps uh, things going here. Put a little gas in the tank. And you get an exclusive episode that is literally just the sounds of LP rustling his papers. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Extra research, extra papers. Yeah, well, uh, what's that called? Um, the, the audio thing that everyone's big on now? Like when someone... Uh, ASMR. There it is, yeah. Yeah, whatever the opposite of that is, is what my father rustling papers and clearing his throat into the microphone is. But we're not Gas Digital Studios, where, by the way, I was recently a guest on the Irish Goodbye podcast. My buddies Mike Cannon and Mike Feeney have a great show over there. They let me plug the show. I want to plug their show back. Check them out. Two super funny guys that I get the chance to work with a bunch. Mike and I are actually going to be at Poughkeepsie at Laugh It Up in June. I'll plug those dates at the very end of the show. But, Dad, first and foremost... At 7001 Franklin Avenue in Hollywood, California, there's a place known as the Magic Castle. Kahuna, do you know it? I do know it. Yeah, they, they talk about Joe Bluth kind of loosely uh, mocks it a little bit on Arrested Development. Now, loosely know it. I know the name. I I kind of know what goes on, but not too much of the history. It's um it's essentially just like a private magic club. It's kind okay. of the thing there. So a lot of big names are performed there, including uh, Loserception, Orson Welles. The late Orson Welles did magic? He did. He did. <laughs> Why does that right. not surprise me? Yeah. Orson Welles here, about to put on 180 pounds. <laughs> right. You know, I was I was just watching a documentary this weekend, and he just showed up in it, and he He's said- the best. And you know what he said? And it made me smile. He said, Sesame Street is God's gift to television. <laughs> and I was like, yes! Said so by Orson Welles! There you go. <laughs> he was the best. That was one where we came in here trying to do an episode real quick, and I think about two and a half hours into it. And Kahuna wasn't even mad at us yet, Dad. That was how patient he was being that day. <laughs> Orson Welles, the late-night god himself, Johnny Carson, also had performed over there. And Doogie Howser, M.D. Okay, the last two actually don't surprise me for some reason. For some, I think I knew Carson liked magic. Yeah. And, uh, what was it? The, the great... Car, it, it was the, oh, the spoof. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, what the heck was that? Karnak um, or something like that, whatever it was. Yeah, the amazing Karnak or Karnak the Magnificent, I think, or something along those lines. Yeah, and it was and a spoof Neil, of Kreskin. And then That's Neil when Patrick, they would ask him, uh, they would give him the answer and then he would uh, follow up with the question. Yeah, Mount Baldy. <laughs> <laughs> and then Neil Patrick Harris him? is always trying to show off the fact that he knows magic and he's so special. But he's not. Sorry, Neil. Man, Kahuna's wow. just coming out guns blazing. Really? You hear that, Neil Patrick Harris? If you're listening to podcasts <laughs> by a father and son duo, their sound engineer has some stern words for I you. I got some right. beef for you, man. Cuts to you the ruined foot. the Smurfs movies. Ooh, that's why. Righteous uh-huh. anger. Uh, there we go. The vendetta. Well, these guys will all be, uh, um, they've all performed over there. The castle's a private club for magic enthusiasts. And every year on July 8th, the Magic Castle will hold an event known as the Soapy Smith Party. The event includes charity gambling, magic tricks, and costumes. But, of course, this show is called American Loser, so you know at some point, Dad, we're going to have to ask, who the fuck is Soapy, Soapy Smith? Smith. <laughs> Soapy Smith. Soapy Smith. Have you heard Smith. of this guy before? No. It's oh, a good name. You're about to. What's the zeitgeist? Uh, well, like, oh, it's, first of all, excellent word. That means spirit of the times in German, for those who don't know, because um, each week on this show we try to use a, a new word. But... Uh, 
Yeah, the zeitgeist is a damn good one, man. Uh, as we're covering, first of all, why is there a grown man named Soapy? And what did he do in his life that he's worth remembering? And additionally, why is there a festival of sorts named in his honor? Right. Is, is he, I don't, is, and it, here he is on American Loser. Yeah. <laughs> so this story is going to hold some Emperor Norton and Dan Sickles levels of uh, admirably, uh, he's an admirable guy in a scumbag kind of way. That's how I'm just going to phrase it. But uh, for your zeitgeist, Cahoons, born November 2nd. 1860. Do you know anybody who was born November 2nd, Dad? November 2nd? Yes, your lovely mother was born on ah, November 2nd. Sandy Burke, shout out, all right? Number one, happy Mother's Day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, November 2nd, 1860, in Georgia, to a wealthy family that lived just outside of Atlanta, uh, Soapy was then going by his given name, and quite a given name it is, in Jefferson Randolph Smith. The family will actually relocate out, out to Texas. Actually, to Kev, that was Jefferson Randolph Smith. The second. Oh. oh, man. What's the other uh, line? Junior. So nice they did it twice. Yeah. He's, he's JR. JR Smith. He's a JR. Oh, my God. Is that, you think that's where the tobacco company came from? The cigar store? JR. Oh, my God. JR Cigar? We'll a, that's, that's a different That's a different episode. Write down. <laughs> down for later. Tobacco. Yeah, but a very predominant or uh, prominent family. Uh, he's. Two brothers are lawyers. Uh, his father is a lawyer. Um, one brother is a doctor. Another brother is a minister. The other one's a, a righteous uh, farmer. Um, so yeah, he had uh, he had some serious upbringing, and you know had a rather well-to-do family uh, background. So, when you uh, say well-to-do as well, it, this is kind of worth mentioning that we don't know if the family relocating to Round Rock, Texas, after the Civil War time frame is. They say that the family, that the money was becoming an issue. Now, we don't know if that's because they had farmland that was torched by invading federal troops or if perhaps they had all their money tied up in a different kind of uh, cryptocurrency that maybe was made ah. illegal. <laughs> yeah, a little bit different kind of a, a Dogecoin thing over there. <laughs> Confederate money. Yeah, Confederate yeah. money. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's going to bust. It's going to be great. Jefferson Davis is hosting Saturday Night Live this week. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so he's got all these great guys around him, ministers, lawyers, doctors, uh, all these great people in the family here. What is uh, Soapy showing some skills with, Dad? Perhaps uh, something of hand. Uh, well, yeah, I would call it the sleight of hand that uh, he is. He's, he's a craftsman. A, he's a trickster. He's a trickster. He's a, a sporting fella that uh, he likes to play the cards and uh, that type of thing. But he's really not full-blown uh, bad guy at this point in time. but uh, Just yet. Yeah, just yet. I mean, he, he was born in 1860, and then the, the family uh, post-Civil War, they do move, um, I believe, to Texas. Round Rock. Round Rock, Texas. And then I guess around uh, when um, Randolph is at the tender age of 17 years old, his, his mom passed, passes away. So 1877, that yeah. was uh, That was a, a hard hit on, on him. And uh, he starts to make his way in life, uh, you know, at the at the tender age of seventeen. So he's out of the house pretty much. But there's a few things that he witnessed in Round Rock while he was there. You want to expand oh, yeah. on that one? Well, he's uh, he's showing skill with the sleight of hand thing. He's kind of uh, some people would call him a con man, right? Some people would call him a charlatan or a trickster. Uh, and like you said, Dad, when his mother passes away, that's kind of the last person that could sit there and be like, well, what would your mother think? Well, he's, his little last moral compass is gone now. <laughs> that's right. right. Yeah. But uh, 1878, just uh, less than a year after his mother passes away, Smith will witness an incident involving famed outlaw Sam Bass, B-A-S-S. -S. 
don't know if it's bass or bass. I don't know what to call him. I don't bass. Want to say bass. Bass. <laughs> but uh, but bass, he did play bass. It would do. It wouldn't shock me. <laughs> um, and he's actually had a couple of people play him. Sam Bass uh, has been a character in uh, some works of uh, historical fiction, if you will. Okay. Yeah, he's a noteworthy uh, bad guy himself, Sam Bass. But he could uh, have an episode of his own. If we had the time to write it. Right, right. <laughs> but um, in short, uh, he's an interesting guy here. Bass and his gang were actually very highly successful stagecoach and train robbers that at this time were being hunted actively by the Texas Rangers as well as the Pinkerton detectives. Right. He just he just pulled off a, a major uh, train robbery um, to the tune of uh, his gang. Sam Bass's gang gets away with $60,000. Now, that's back in uh, you know 1870s money. Um, so that today would be about 1.5 mil. So yeah, uh, that's, that's a nice day's take for <laughs> for the Bass for Gang. Soap. Oh, Bass Gang, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> still good. No, Soap is still uh, Soap's pulling like card tricks, maybe nickel and dime and his friends here and there, kind of a thing. Okay. Um, but he's going to witness uh, this guy Sam Bass is actually coming into Round Rock. Now, keep in mind, like I said, Texas Rangers. They're kind of interesting because we'll, we we could do a whole other episode on the formation of them and then also the Pinkertons. Pinkertons were essentially private police department. So the idea of a public police department versus private police, you know, it's a, it, right. it, it gets to be, there's a reason why things are the way they are. All right. And the Pinkerton guys are notorious for being uh, quick with a, a pulling the trigger. Getting the job done. Yeah. There's and, a reason they're not around. No, they're still around. Pinkerton agent is still around. But uh, the enough, Pinkertons were hired by the, uh, by the, uh, the railroad. I mean, if you got people robbing your trains, you got to put a stop to that crap. And uh, and your stagecoaches, your Wells Fargo stagecoaches. Yeah, and the Pinkins were also involved with uh, other loserceptions with uh, some of the mining uh, episodes that we had. Where and they also were Black Bart strike breakers. We yep. did talk about them a little bit in the past. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. The name does. The name sounded familiar. Well, let's not let's not go off on a tangent here because uh, <laughs> he's we're, going, he's we're not really here on uh, for the Pinkertons. We're here for uh, well, old Sam Mr. Bass Mr. Smith is uh, yeah again Sam Bass. The reason why his story is integral to the Soapy Smith story is because when Sam Bass is hiding out over in Round Rock, he's going to get uh, into a little bit of a shootout that you know has the distinction of ending his life. Uh, so in Texas, uh, young Soapy Smith and his cousin Edwin will actually witness Sam Bass get shot during the ensuing gunfight. Years later, Smith will meet a similar end, but not before becoming just as, if not more infamous, than Bass himself. Uh, Bass, in one time he was being played actually in a TV show, he was actually played by Chuck Connors, which uh, I know you know the TV show he's from. Kahuna, Kahuna has this pop culture knowledge that he he's brilliant with. So I watched Can his I eyes take a squ- guess? hit me. Deadwood. Because you brought it up before. Deadwood will be involved with this episode, but Chuck Connors was an old school guy. So uh, go ahead. Go ahead, LP. The Rifleman. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, Uncle Paulie watches about okay. nine episodes of that a day. Um, <laughs> All right. That was like my grandfather in Gunsmoke. No worries. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, anyway, so the, the, he witnesses this death over here. I think uh, Soapy is said to have said, my God, you hit him. That kind of a thing. And uh, <laughs> it really was probably his words on that one. But uh, Smith heads out towards Fort Worth around this time and starts up a little gang uh, that is equal part thieves, chills, and henchmen in order to carry out his different cons. He's got some long cons. He's got some short cons, right? Yeah, short cons is it's uh, 
it's a it's a short game. It's a short, a quick way of parting somebody from their money, uh, rather than actually out and out. Yeah, Ming short your... cons me every time I walk through the door. <laughs> you just bought some merch tonight. That would be a short con. So. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Did I buy merch while I'm renting the studio? <laughs> yeah. Get that bastard over here. <laughs> he twofered me. Um, but yeah, so a short con is going to be the quick turnaround on that one. A long con would be maybe uh, more of the uh, what's that great movie with uh, Sting? Yeah. With a old Butch and Sundance, right? Oh no! Well, yeah, well, the, the the Sting was not Butch and Sundance, but it was the Robert same Redford's cat, in right, it. right, yeah. yeah. But uh, the Sting was a, a long, more involved uh, play act, if you will, to actually con somebody out of their money with the great Dana and a big Elkar score, in it, a much from bigger, MacGyver. Yeah, Pete. a much bigger score than uh, um, than than the short con where he was just pulling card tricks and flim flamming people. Flim flamming is a great word on this one. Um, now, among his gang, because this is actually important here. So there's, like we said, it's thieves, shills, and henchmen. So the thieves will help with the more obvious acts of robbing people. The shills will help lull the marks into the crosshairs of Soapy's cons. And the muscle will protect Soapy when his victims realize that they've been abused and maybe attempt to, hey, I want my money back. You sure? That's <laughs> right. <laughs> That kind of a thing. Among his gang would be a fellow by the name of Big Ed Burns, who uh, would have a few run-ins with the infamous Earp Brothers, Loserception, for those who listen to the Doc Holiday episode, uh, and also a colorful, a, a colorful character by the name of uh, Texas Jack Vermillion. Right? Texas Jack actually takes part in the Earp Vendetta ride. I'm when- sorry, but when Texas is in your name, you're, you're, you're just kind of <laughs> automatically kind of a badass. Astute observation. That's <laughs> so. I'm just assuming that this is the the badass of the day. Yeah, they call me uh, Texas KP. It's a uh... it don't work. Nope. <laughs> nope. Yeah, Yosemite Sam doesn't have quite the same ring. <laughs> yeah, she. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Big Ed Burns is out there, as is uh, Texas Jack Vermillion. And Texas Jack, he goes on the Earp Vendetta ride. He actually, him and Doc Holliday were good buddies, and they rode together to hunt down uh, members of the uh, the Cowboys gang. And that Cowboys gang is actually a gang that Big Ed Burns was kind of in earlier in the day. So got these guys who kind of, uh, it, depending on what uh, the situation is, they're either on the right or wrong side of the law. But in this particular instance, they're working for Soapy Smith, who he's got his cons going on over here, right? Soapy's always fine. With, uh, we tease um, one of my friends that I went hunting with. Uh, it, was, uh, it was Squid, Dad. Um, that he uh, he had a, a joking name for a family member of ours that they called him uh, uh, Blank Make a Buck. All right, <laughs> right. And uh, Soapy was Soapy Make a Buck. All right, <laughs> right. He was a pretty interesting guy here. So uh, also, if you want to know more about Doc Holiday, two parter available on Patreon, three and five dollar a month. Go for it. Just figure some shit out. Help me out, please. Soap's gang is very successful, by the way. They're using these short cons, which mostly included, but we're not limited to three card Monty rigged poker games and of course the shell game dad off the top of your head i mean how could you break down three card monty for the people at home because everyone's heard of it before right kahun's you heard of it mm-hmm. so well, three three card monty is just a variation on on the shell game and the shell game has you know ancient uh ancient origins it goes going back, back to, to greece yeah greece egypt uh where you're putting a, a pea or some little object underneath three shells and then the guy the operator is trying to mix up the shells as quickly as possible. And then the the mark, the person you're trying to dupe into this whole thing through sleight of hand uh, is going to identify 
where that P was. Well, the three-card Monty thing is the same type of a thing, and it's 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 successed by uh, sleight of hand, but typically it's only three playing cards, and the queen of hearts is the one that you're trying to identify. So they'll put down onto the table the cards face down and the queen of hearts and sometimes the ace of spades, but it's only three cards, and then shuffling them around, sliding them around on the table, and again by sleight of hand, they're able to um, make certain that the the mark can is no way they're going to win. You're not going to win this game. My the first experience, uh, the first time you you were with me, first shell game I ever experienced, Yankee Stadium. Right when they take the three batters' helmets and then they you know right. figure out which one's which kind of a thing. Yeah, well, when they're doing it at Yankee Stadium, it usually comes up between innings up onto the giant um, uh, scoreboard that. They'll have three Yankee batting helmets, and they'll put a ball underneath the one batting helmet and then shuffle them all around, and they're going like super fast motion, and people are trying to guess which helmet uh, it ends up under. Of course, there's no money involved with that. Where with the shell game or three-card Monty, um, people are drawn in, and the, the shill is operating or working with the uh, the operator of the game. So the show will be sitting there, and he's playing the game, and, and he's going to make it look like he's winning. Right. So um, whoever's running the game has got um, compatriots in there unbeknownst to the mark. And the mark normally, n- normally walks up to the crowd to see what's going on and sees this game going on, and it's, it's all uh, – um, quickly being able to be disassembled and run away from the police because uh, everybody's looking out for the police. And sometimes the Mark's attention will be drawn away. Um, and that's part of the reason why he can't, can't identify the, the money card, if you will, the paying card. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a game that was set up and Mark's were identified um, Marks being the target of the con. The, yeah. the target of the con. And then the shills would help draw them in and play act this whole thing. And oftentimes the mark would walk up to the game just to see what was going on. And then a, a shill would win and win big. And I'm like, this is so easy. And it's easy to see which card is which or which. Do this, sir. Shell. I got to have a wager. Yeah, <laughs> yes. And then um, once the mark's money was down on the table or, or the bet was down, um, he's just going to continue to lose and lose and lose until they, he's, he's out of money. There's no way. And then whoever um, did win was a shill, and that money would just be split up amongst them for drawing them in. Yeah, so if it's, you guess it's right, a game you the money's can't, going right, right back into the pocket. Right. So, so the show was like the early hype man. Ooh, okay. I like so that. So just like, yeah, man, it's uh, it's so right. easy. I'm good. I'm yeah. good for the rest of the week. Walks away. Meanwhile, walks around the corner, right. high fives the dude at the table like, got him again. One right. of the, the other ones, uh, an open or an honest short con would be, uh, they talked about it in the, the show Carnival on HBO, mm-hmm. but this was a true thing they used to do. It was uh, step right up and see the man-eating chicken, and they would have like a picture of like a, a ferocious-looking chicken. 
But then they just walk in and just be a guy eating, eating chicken. chicken. Eating chicken. <laughs> but the way you get the, the people to not come after you, they say, hey, why? Now you can go out there and you can tell your friends that, you know, you got fooled, but now you can fool your friends. So go tell them to come on in here and then you'll, you know, see how stupid they feel. Like, oh, by the way. So you're like, just saying, yeah, go. It, now it's like. Pass uh, the stupidity along so you don't feel as bad. Yeah. And let's make some more money <laughs> off of uh, the misery that we can uh, conjure up. But it, so that was a fun one. That's an interesting short con there. But all these games, like you said, Dad, very easy to have a shell game. All you need are three shells. Right. Right? Uh, all you need are three cards for three-card Monty. In and quickly assembled and disassembled if the police actually do come come after you. That yeah. You can just do the skedaddle. And, of course, you're going to do the skedaddle holding the Mark's money. So, no, um, I do have one question. So, the, so Soapy is obviously a nickname. Is that Does that come into play around this time? Or is he just he, always oh, called yeah. Soapy? Yeah, yeah. Nope. He hasn't gotten that nickname yet, but oh, okay, it's, it's a pretty good one. Oh, yeah. he hasn't gotten it's the nickname up. yet. No, it's uh, it's a damn good one. So he's got and this. that whole three card Monty thing too. Again, it's a sleight of hand. So that's where the whole magician kind of a thing comes into play too. That um, they'll typically be using two hands to drop the cards onto the table, or what appears to be two hands dropping the cards on the table, but mixing them up and shuffling them around. The guy could palm one of the cards, so what you thought was actually the queen being dropped with the left hand was not even on the table kind of a thing. Right, so <laughs> it's guaranteed that whatever card they pick is not going to be the right, right one. Right. Oh, my God. So they were pretty good here. And Soap is very smart about how he does this. Uh, he would, like I said, always have a, a member of the gang guess right in front of the marks and stuff like that, kind of get them to be like, oh, so you could be lucky too, that kind of a thing. Soapy quickly becomes known as uh, the con man king of the frontier. So when they identify, oh, that guy's a con man, he's a charlatan, he's a trickster. But everyone's like, I don't know, he's pretty fun to hang out with. <laughs> <laughs> he's got a lot of these drinking establishments he seems to own. Yeah, he's also a well-spoken, you know, educated guy. and uh, he's, uh, he's a southern gentleman. Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> he's, uh, yeah he's, a, he's just a fun guy to hang out with. And um, he's, uh, he's got some leadership qualities. <laughs> we'll call it leadership, leadership qualities. Uh, so. I already know who my casting couch is. I'm so it's happy. It's going to be fun. <laughs> I already I'm, know. There's a I couple of characters, too. So I'm, I'm, I make sure that you remind me of this at the end. I don't want to accidentally go off without it because um, no one's going to fall for Ali G nowadays, right? Uh, no one's going to – people are going to figure out why Sal from Impractical Jokers is hanging out in the mall food court. You know, they're going to sit there and be like – we're on the show, aren't we, right? <laughs> so Soapy's kind of got that thing. We're like, he's a con man, I know. But, I mean, this game doesn't seem like it's rigged. So he's got this weird thing going on here. Um, how does a card trickster earn the nickname Soapy, though? Lawrence Patrick Burke. What's a soap racket? <laughs> a soap racket. Yeah, well, this is something that uh, uh, he kind of... is interested. I'm excited. <laughs> he kind of devised himself that... Uh, um, and he became very famous for this. But uh, I believe it was in while he was hanging around the, the Denver locale. And again, you're, we're the, the times, we're out west, and uh, you know the Wild West clearly is the Wild West. I mean, Denver is not the booming metropolis that it is now. It's some little Wild West town with uh, you know, virtually no law and everything else, but on a, on a mining boom town. Uh, Mr. Smith would come into town and set up this big display out on the street in plain sight and make a big show of this whole thing that he's got bars of soap, ordinary bars of soap that would typically sell for like a nickel. But what he's doing is making a big show of taking some of the bars of soap and wrapping uh, 10, 20, 50, and as much as $100 bills around the soap 
and then rewrapping it in plain wrappers. Soap with a prize. And putting putting them into like the big display. And then people would have the opportunity. <laughs> people oh. would have the opportunity to oh. buy a bar of soap for now five dollars a bar. Hoping with, to get hoping to get the big prize. And one of the shills would come up and one of the shills, you know, one of his con men that he was in cahoots with would come up and, and buy this bar of soap and then make a big woohoo. Look at what I won! Look at a woohoo! He's jumping up and down. Oh, I got and doing a golden all. ticket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. exactly, the golden ticket for the uh, for the candy factory, right? Um, so he's got the golden ticket, and now you know everybody else is buying the soap, and because you know, again, they pulled a, a three card Monty trick on him that there were no additional. Um, there were bars no other with, hundreds, and, mother. There was no other money while he's busy. An open display, wrapping up the money. He wrapped the money around it, wrap the wrapper around it. Well, the money never made it inside the bar of soap, and the money was probably in his back pocket or someplace else. That you know, but again, it's a whole sleight of hand trick. See, that, that doesn't sound so far off from modern marketing. Like, <laughs> nope. like, no, like that doesn't sound so bad. Like, I mean, if if I got to a point where I was in Soapy's position and I was getting money off of it, I would occasionally just start putting in, like, 20s and 30s here and there. But, like, I know that of the times, you that's played, a lot of money. You ever play Monopoly at McDonald's? Yeah. They had that whole documentary about how no one ever got paid from all that stuff. Really? Yeah, yeah. it was an HBO thing they did where it was, like, it was impressive how few people were actually making any sort of any. There was always everyone's winning. They're all winning all the time. But right. are they? Are they? Yeah. yeah. Or the best you could win is a free soda, which is probably the least um, expensive thing for them to make in McDonald's. But it got you back for the next trip. And I don't that, know, man. When I was a kid, I won a large fry and I was I was happy as a pig. <laughs> <shit>. <laughs> yeah. But what else did you have the next trip back to get your free large fry? You probably chowed down on a whole lot more and bring in your friends and everything else. So it's just a ploy to get people back. To, so you're going to give away, you know, 20 cents worth of uh, French fries. Soap Meanwhile, with a prize. <laughs> <laughs> now, I keep saying soap with a prize is uh, my buddy, uh, Dr. Tristan Bedrera, who has not had his medical license reinstated. Um, he would constantly, uh, he and I would always watch Deadwood. Right, and in Deadwood, they, they actually have a little character that's kind of uh, alluded to being a taken soap, taken soap off with of a prize, and they kick him out because like, nah, nah, we, don't we, have an we issue. know, right? Yeah, we're trying to be a legit town out here. But wait, right. how does that information spread so fast? Like, do they print it in the paper? Don't trust Soapy. Well, well like, what had, what had happened is he he's doing this soap con, and um, you know, people are getting pissed off because they're they're buying a lot of expensive soap with no payout. And then uh, Soapy, or Mr. Smith, is arrested <laughs> with that. But then the policeman who, who arrested him um, put down in his logbook that he couldn't remember the guy's real first name. So he just put it down as Soapy, Soapy Smith. And from then on, he got stuck with the handle, Soapy, Soapy Smith. Smith. <laughs> oh, my God. Why do they call you Soapy? I'm clean, baby. That's <laughs> right. I love this story so far. Oh, he's just getting started too, dude. Oh my God, there's more. Yeah, so I mean, mo- yeah, so now money that he's making from these various con games, and he's bringing in, you know, his posse. He's bringing in his people and kind of controlling them. And nobody's getting seriously hurt up to this point. Mm-hmm. Um, 
<laughs> Notice how we phrase that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, people obviously, if you're getting ripped off, they you're, get mad. You're you're going to get pissed, right? So you might have something to say, but he's also got the muscle men working for him to you know, if you want to. You got a complaint? Take it up with the, the, the complaint, complaint department. Big Ed over there. <laughs> we'll uh, be happy to hear of your complaint. Um, and you guys can probably settle it out back behind the alley. Um, but he's taken his winnings. He's taken his money earned and investing it into a bigger and better, you know, permanent establishment. So he's he's now buying saloons and buying uh, gambling halls and that kind of stuff. So he's coming off the street off the back alleys and, and coming, into, legit. coming on to Main Street. Well, <laughs> yeah, so, more, a more established establishment rather than a three-card Monty Back thing. to Devin I mean for the, a second. I Al mean Swearingen the term, was a legit businessman. Okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, I mean the term legit loosely. Right. Like, we, we understand. He's, he's hustling in the streets and buy, buying up saloons. You're, he's part of the establishment. Yeah. Here's All the right. weird thing. So you need a... Uh, so He's going to all these different towns, and then they wind up he has to move on because then people are like, hey, that guy's been ripping a rip. There was really no prize in the soap, that kind of a thing. So he hey, keeps bouncing soap around. Hey, where'd go? He was just here last night. That's exactly. He <laughs> took off in the, the thick of the night. But uh, as we stated earlier, Soapy's big on the short cons, but also had a bit of a reputation on him now. And so that leads to anyone else, uh, including him, uh, having to move on for fear of retribution and legal problems. But our boy Soapy is fascinating. Soap actually found his way into a position of influence in Denver, Colorado, okay? I'm not saying Denver doesn't learn from their mistakes, okay? He became a politician? Are you kidding me? <laughs> uh, in a way, yes. A bit of a, uh, a mascot for the local color, if you will. You know what I mean? <laughs> local color is a literary term to talk about when something's like, like if you wrote something, they're like, oh, we're, that evokes imagery of New Jersey. That would be like the local color. Yeah. So he becomes uh, a kind of a... It's like our Garden State Parkway stickers. Very much shared so. universe. It's like, oh, it's yeah. Jersey. No, that, that's how uh, Soap winds up becoming. So he's a piece of work. Uh, his gang holds enough power in Denver now in order to bribe politicians and evade prosecution from the authorities by being the de facto authorities themselves. So uh, in a town that thrived on booze, gambling, and prostitutes, Soapy felt right at home. It was kind of a uh, godfather-type figure on the Denver scene. This allowed him to operate freely, kind of like a Boss Tweed, Al Swearinger type of person. That, that's a, So he's just, you know, it's like, it's almost Wizard of Oz, you know, uh, you know, the, the great Karnak or whatever it was kind of. A, he's almost doing like a stand-up comedy. It, it's funny what he starts out as. Now he's starting to get a little bit more powerful, and it's like, oh, well, you know, now he's got cops on the payroll, that kind of a thing. He started out just doing more, just uh, doing small-time gigs at local stand-up shows. Now he's Dave Chappelle. Essentially. Okay. Uh, he's, he's well on his way there. Uh, operating in Denver, Soap wasn't just another con man. He's actually the owner of a fine establishment, Dad, called the uh, Tivoli Club, right? And if it sounds Italian, then it must be Italian. <laughs> them Italians is fancy, I tell you. Ah, so this is post-Chappelle show. That's so, <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, here you could gamble and drink and more than likely enjoy the company of a woman for a small fee. Prostitutes. Uh, legend states that the den of iniquity uh, that Soapy operated and owned had a welcome slash warning sign written overhead that in Latin would read caveat emptor. So that means buyer beware. So, <laughs> I mean, he did warn you. You walked in and you saw it. Right. You just didn't it's, know what it meant. It's my nature. <laughs> <laughs> I like Soapy so far. Like, he doesn't seem too bad. It's hard to hate him. 
but yeah. he's definitely you're like he's a guy we're like all right so if we're if we're bringing him in we're going to make sure that uh you know i'm i'm excited to see the connection between robbing people well loosely well yeah it's it's highway robbery scamming <laughs> scamming people to being immortalized at the magic castle well, there's that, and then also there is the Tavoli Brewing Company out in Denver that pays homage to uh, Soapy and his club by calling it the, the Tavoli Brewing Company. They're legit out there. So, huh. um, Now, if you were heading to uh, Soapy Smith's place, like you said, Cahoons, he legit warned you. Hey, don't trust me. There's a goddamn sign on the wall that says, don't trust me. <laughs> it's not in English, but it says it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, other, another trick. Really, and you might not even it. be able to read English, but hey, we gave you a fair Caveat warning. Caveat tour. What's that mean? What's she all about? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Hey, man, I warned you. My establishment had the sign on the wall. Hot jokes on you, Soapy. I can't read. <laughs> <laughs> I can't read no, let alone Latin. The um, Caveat tour. But if you were heading into his place, he did warn you straight up. Soap would expand his repertoire, by the way, of cons with this is one was my favorite. He would hold fake auctions. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't know why that stuck got- out to me so funny, but like. Because <laughs> it's hilarious. <laughs> hey, yeah, nothing. Go down over here. $300. <laughs> but like you hype up the item enough and you put your buddies in the crowd and you only pick them. Yeah. But you don't pick the sucker who's right. yet. Who's not? Who's bidding the higher numbers? Absolutely, Again, it gets caught up in, in Deadwood. It. That's it, it. Happens in Deadwood that they wind up at. There's a whole bidding thing, and they're just uh, people are, uh, you know, EB has to put a certain amount of money on something in order to make sure that the, the you know gets up to a place where only Al Swearingen can control the interest, and then it all gets crazy. And you get up, up to the auction right. block, and on this corner we have the <laughs> all right five hundred dollars, six hundred dollars. <laughs> you see six hundred dollars sold. What did I get? You got a. Blown up 2011 Crown Victoria from the local police auction. Dude, he would also sell businesses that didn't exist. Okay. Soapy kind of rules. Yeah, yeah. I'm not mad at this guy. If there was a scam, Soapy was uh, involved with it. We're going to get to it eventually, but his greatest one ever is like, it's one of those things where like, you son of a bitch, you beautiful bastard like it's just so clever you can't be mad at him so yeah plus the fact he was also noted as having a very quick temper that he would just blow up on you too so tread lightly with with soap he's a good guy funny guy i mean yeah haha you really he's a mean drunk but yeah at the same time uh you want the soap with the prize in it or the one i put in the pillowcase and smash over your face (laughs) there you go but oh uh, again, it's uh, if you're a Tim Dillon fan, by the way, Tim Dillon, great comic, uh, hilarious podcaster. Uh, he engages in fake business. Soapy also too engages in fake business. So this does not come without its dangers, though. All right, sometimes the threats come from other criminals, and on more than one occasion, Dad, a mark or a victim of soap schemes would come for a little recompense. Time for some justice. And like you said, old soap's quick temper and very generous bribes to the authorities led to him sort of becoming a untouchable, if you will, in the streets of Denver. So picture him walking around like Don Corleone with a, a little flower, you know, uh, you know, a lo- on his lapel kind of a thing, and he's walking around. You don't want to mess with this guy. Al Swearingen is definitely a, a close... Um, that's a person you could... I don't want to ruin whatever your uh, uh, casting couch is going to be at the end, but it's definitely an interesting guy here to think about. Yeah. So... And... and- what was uh, I mean? Again, he had the quick temper to show you. He um, Soapy did marry. He married a, a woman by the name of Mary Noonan, and while he's in Denver, but Mary was kind of like shunned by proper society, if you will, and and 
there was a newspaper guy who wrote an article that was not very uh, uh, complimentary to uh, Soap's wife. And Soapy did not like it being known that he was married. He tried to keep the wife and the family out of the limelight kind of a thing. Very few people knew that he was even married. And um, and then there was a newspaper guy that kind of put it out there that this guy Soapy is married and, uh, you know, he's not respectable and all this kind of stuff. And a very uh, disarming uh, article was written. And Soapy took a little uh, exception to that. How to- dare you say those accurate things about me? <laughs> right, exactly. Well, he took it a, a step further. He loaded uh, the wife and kids and uh, on the train and went out to St. Louis to meet with this uh, editor of this newspaper. And he's walking with a walking stick or a cane. And then walks into the guy's office and proceeds to beat the shit out of him with the cane. So, you know, he was not a man to be uh, dealt with slightly. It wasn't all in fun Soviet and Russia. Soap drop you. <laughs> right. right. Well, Soapy's a bitch. She's a big fat bitch. Well, uh, it, it's interesting too because, like I said, uh, he is a little bit of an untouchable now in the streets of Denver here. And in 1889, uh, electoral fraud will take place in the mayoral election wait a minute electoral fraud yeah we're not allowed to say that no we're not allowed to say that you get pulled lightly this is 1889 it's definitely not what got edgar Allan poe killed it's definitely not a thing that's kind of been around for our democracy since Uh, its inception (laughs) we're not a political show (laughs) we are not political but that was it is weird when they try to politicize a a a crime or something like that and you're like uh you talk about the edgar Allan poe getting beaten up in the streets you're like what was he doing well they said he was voting that's (laughs) get out and vote so this election, again, 1889, not to be confused with uh, any other elections, because any mention of voter fraud gets you in a little bit of trouble here. And that's not what we're about. All right. We're about the trouble that Soapy's getting himself into. The mayor will wind up losing his job over this scandal. But Soapy Smith not only goes unscathed throughout the entire scandal, he actually bought an expensive office near the Tivoli Club to further entrench himself as the kingpin of Denver. Because remember, folks, power is running for office. True power is running someone for office. Deciding who, the kingmaker, who, who is going to be the next mayor. That's right. So uh, we can sit there and we can, we can run a great candidate like, say, Kahuna. We want to run him for office or something like that. But you and me are pulling the strings by, hey, Kahuna, make sure. And this is going to be your opinion on this, right? I run a platform of Muppets for all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, perfect. How did I not see that? <laughs> the Muppet cabinet. <laughs> uh, <laughs> fucking perfect. <laughs> but Smith's violent demeanor is not just a convenient facade. Like you said, Daddy's got, there's a little, um, there's He's some sting edge. on them words. Yeah. So Smith would engage in violence against his would be assailants on the regular. Uh, he wasn't just a con man anymore. He's now sitting in a position of power over his own empire. He would create uh, three empires in total, so two more beyond this one, before his luck will finally catch up with him. He's semi-retired. A little bit. He's got, uh, this is the first empire here, and then he's going to have another one, which uh, this is going to happen in nearby Creed, Colorado. Okay. Yeah, so, his, uh, his presence is no longer really uh, sought after in, in uh, Denver. He's, he's no longer a, you know, a happy guy. The locals are, are getting wise to a lot of his schemes, and he's, a, he's, a, he's corrupt. Uh, he's running corrupt politicians. He's paying off the police force. So yeah, but you um, like him. There's a, yeah, <laughs> he's a he's a likable guy. Good the guy to go drinking with. But um, you know the governor of Colorado is uh, making some uh, changes, making some noises to try to uh, clean up 
Denver especially. Um, so he, uh, Soapy then starts to look for other avenues of uh, enterprise, as we, as we would say, to find out where he might uh, take his uh, scheming and conniving someplace else. Well, Denver's already established when Soap and the boys get out there. Um, so the next great endeavor towards profit would be to take control of a town before the town really takes off. Right. Get in on the ground floor or something here. Yeah, much like Nicky Scarfo's move on Atlantic City. Uh, check out our Philadelphia Mob War episode for that one. Um, also, our boy David Bohan was asking for you the other day, Cahoons. He hopes you're doing well. Oh, Yep, he's uh, walking back still from the studio. Back to <laughs> <Philadelphia>. <laughs> but uh, now, uh, or Bugsy Siegel's brilliant move in uh, uh, Las Vegas. Soapy Smith is going to use his, uh, his usual cavalcade of prostitutes, gambling, and booze to carry influence over a small mining camp in Creed, Colorado. This will be the second of his three empires. Uh, Creed is the location of Soap's Orleans Club, right? Because... Orleans got to be French. If there's one thing I know about the French, it's that they damn sophisticated. <laughs> this boy right. got a Tivoli club. This That's, boy got an Orleans club. He fancy. He fancy. Uh, the man is called Soapy. And he, he did his research. He did his homework. He was, you know, he made some, he didn't go directly uh, from uh, Denver to Creed. Uh, he went into Cheyenne, Wyoming, and Salt Lake City, and uh, Ogden, Utah, and he was, you know, he was around and about and trying to find where the best place might be to land. But he did finally end up in, in Creed, Colorado, and uh, he uh, tried to establish himself there. Now, the only problem is with uh, Creed, Colorado, uh, we have a little uh, interception here that uh, his main competition at that point in time in Creed uh, was a place called Ford's Exchange. And Ford's Exchange was a gambling house, a saloon, a casino, a house of ill repute run by Mr. Robert Robert Ford. Uh, Now, that's a a name that you might recognize as the guy. I understand him to be a coward. uh, The guy who shot Jesse James. Yep. Really? Yeah. Bob yeah. Ford. Bob wow. Ford. Wow. Uh, and then uh, it seems that while Soapy was in town, uh, Robert Ford met his end with a shotgun-wielding drifter by the name of Ed O'Keeley. And they never really did find out <laughs> what the beef was there, but there was certainly suspicions that maybe Mr. O'Keeley, who shot Bob Ford, was really working for... Uh, for Soapy Smith, I mean, do away with the with the competition <laughs> by just having a few shotgun blasts at him. So, um, so and then uh, yeah, and the only other really competition in, in Creed, and again we have got a little cross uh, cross pollinization there. Um, that the only guy that was really left, um, Soapy now is dealing with over forty saloons in Creed alone. And the only other guy that's running something that's not owned outright by Soapy Smith is a guy by the name of Bat Masterson. <laughs> yeah, there's another little name that wow. you might have dropped. Yeah, a lot of these uh, Old West uh, sheriffs were also um, proprietors of various gambling. They weren't always... Uh, Pimps, barkeeps. Yeah, they yeah. weren't all... James Arness and they weren't uh, all and on the up and up. <laughs> Yeah, it wasn't quite uh, the Elliot Ness uh, time frame just yet. Yeah, but, uh, this second of his three empires, Creed is the location of, like we said, Soap's Orleans Club, and uh, that's a gambling hall that was so popular that his own conmen could set up three card monte games and shell games on the line of people waiting to get in. So you ever waiting to get into the club one night? 
Now imagine that someone brings a gambling game out to you. Oh, my God. You can say, well, I mean, it's a, what are we going to do to pass the time? Do you fellas know how to play three-card Monty? You can right. probably do this in Hasbury Park today. <laughs> follow the like, queen. Follow the queen. Here's, you're not even exaggerating much yeah. on this one because here's the craziest part, too. That, that great movie Mafia with uh, Jay Moore in it, they have one of the funniest lines ever when they're spoofing Casino. They said, yeah, the smart people just send us their money and save on airfare. <laughs> it's not far off. Yeah. <laughs> All right. But even if you weren't the gambling type, this is what a brilliant businessman old Soap was. Uh, Soap still had ways of getting you to kind of cough up a little bit of your money because inside this place, the Orleans Club, he had an attraction known as uh, McGinty. McGinty. Uh, McGinty was a petrified, a.k.a. mummified body that uh, he put on display in the place. If you wanted to come see it, you had to you know, cough up a couple of, you know, some money, and then you could take a look at a petrified body. 100% true. And the body is still in, um, I believe it's in the Curiosity Shop in Seattle, Washington. That's what I believe I found on that one. So if you want to confirm that for me, because I, I guarantee, because you're one of those guys. Also, <laughs> My for your birthday trip. this year, we're getting you nothing but gift cards for that place. Too. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was trying to make a Jersey connection there for a second, because there's this story of a of a real skeleton being in a haunted house. I think it was in, in Long Branch or something. And I was like, oh, shit. And it ended up in New Jersey. Because that's an actual story. Have you ever heard of that? No, but I guarantee you that the skeleton's remains are now in the, the custody of Andy High Roller. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. We love you, Andy. Down in Memphis, man. He'll be back up soon, I hope. Uh, the Boomtown, by the way, showing signs of a bust. So Creed is you want to get it on the ground floor, but what happens if a place doesn't take off? That's kind of the thought that Soap has to have going through his mind right now. It's time to go back to selling soap. It's essentially, yeah, he's uh, he's in firm control of this town. He had even made his brother-in-law the sheriff, but it was time to head back to Denver over here because uh, Soap's moves, uh, it proved to be a smart one because not only will the town catch fire and his Orleans club, after he's closed it and sold it and moved on, uh, is actually going to be uh, uh, destroyed in the fire. Uh, now, it's not a suspicious fire. It just happened to be a fire that you know was over there. Um, but the other thing is that... Uh, the reformers that were coming in to try to clean Denver up, a lot of them have been kicked to the curb because they were like, hey, man, listen, Denver, we want to turn this into a legit place, but we also, we, you know, let us enjoy ourselves a little bit here, you know? So he's now back in Denver, uh, and eventually he's going to head out to the Alaska Territory. So, Dad, I'm about to set you up for success on that one here, but Soapy's going to find himself in some pretty hilarious positions in his last couple of months over in Denver. He's always looking to make a buck. As a, yeah, Soapy Make a Buck here is uh, as part of uh, corruption reforms, two of his, quote, men are removed from their positions by the governor. So when the men refuse to leave their offices, the governor will send in troops and Soapy and his boys are going to form a resistance in what will be known as the City Hall War. Not a shot is fired, though. The governor eventually steps down and the men uh, eventually are officially and legally removed from office. But not before Soapy and the boys. They all had rifles. They were all pointing at each other. It was, you know, if a fly landed on someone's shoulder, this could have turned into a bloodbath. It was a tense couple of days over in Denver. Oh, yeah, and it was by the pleading of the uh, the locals um, in Denver, uh, pleading to the governor, the police stand down. Because the governor sent in troops with, like, uh, two small cannons and gatling guns and and then Soapy raises his own army to face these guys. And that's... You're right. It became known as the civil, the uh, city hall war. Um, so rather than you know, they came to a an eye blink from uh, bloodshed there. So what, the, the what governor does stands do, down. <laughs> what does Soapy do? Ever the opportunist, our boy the soap 
manages to make himself deputy sheriff during this time. He goes, oh, man, I, well, I mean, I'm deputy sheriff, so I understand. Yeah, guys, don't worry, I'll handle this. And his latest racket over in Denver, one of his final rackets out in Denver, is that he would start uh, arresting people who had large gambling debts, right? And then saying, all right, well, listen, so if you're willing to walk away and just, you know, accept the fact that you lost the money, I'll let you out of jail. You think everybody took him up on that fucking offer? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, thank you so much, Mr. Smith. I really appreciate right. your Sheriff's Soap. Right. That's pretty damn good of you. See, I think this is where Soapy, to me, starts to get a little terrifying because he's got actual power now. Oh, yeah. I know he's had it for a minute, but, like, I don't know how long he lived, but, like, if he if he had lived a long time, I'm assuming he did. Uh, I'm, I would think that, like, he ended up being, like, a very powerful, very powerful person, or he could have been. He was well on. I'll tell you what. He's got... He's got another empire to build of crime here um, that uh, I think you're going to have an an appreciation for. Soap will have to flee Denver after becoming a wanted man because you're right. The crimes are getting a little bit more serious now. Uh, He and his brother are both charged in attempted murder for beating the shit out of a guy. Soap gets away, but his brother winds up in jail. Soapy was a wanted man in Colorado now, and he's going to have to head out to the Yukon Territory. Um, Dad, before I... um, I'll tell you what. I'm going to set you up for the Yukon thing in a second. Here, let me tell this one little uh, story here. Our little caveat emptor, um, little tidbit I couldn't help but admire. Before he winds up leaving Denver and Colorado, Soapy Smith will kindly offer his services <laughs> as the colonel of a legion of American tough guy soldiers that would gladly go down to Mexico and serve for President Diaz. Because uh, he goes, President Diaz, what you need is you need a couple of American kick-ass boys. I mean, me and my crew, let us come on down there. We'll help you out with whatever you need. You're making this up. Nope. President Diaz had risen to power after fighting Emperor Maximilian during the wars where the Cinco de Mayo holiday had even began. Because Maximilian was an Austrian that was put into power down there when they tried to create like a new America, if you will. Mm Mm-hmm. And again, that's where Cinco de Mayo comes from. It's the Mexican people celebrating their defeat of the French, the French army. Right. So it's not Mexican Independence Days, you fucking hacks. All right? <laughs> Listen to my goddamn show. I'm trying to teach you some shit. Right. Get, Get edu- educated. <laughs> right. As you have in your margaritas. Yeah, indeed. Enjoy it. Earn your margaritas. That's all we're saying here. But uh, yeah, uh, joining up with the Mexicans is also very similar to other losers in uh, the San Patricios. And of course, uh, and the idea of an American legion walking into another country and taking it over, well, that harkens back to a certain William Walker. Yeah, Patreon exclusive. Right. We're Three and five dollars a month. <laughs> entire back catalog available to you. <laughs> now he's going to head out to Skagway, Alaska. And uh, Soapy will begin ensuring his power over a new boomtown. He wants to go ahead and, and get this thing going here. But, Dad, what the hell is Skagway and what the hell is the Yukon Territory? Well, I mean, it's it's the next big thing that uh, he tried to go into uh, Creed because that's where the big, uh, the big money was, the startup of this new town. And uh, he's now a wanted man in Colorado, so he's got to get out of Colorado. So he... Wandered around a bit and was trying to do some research, and he goes into San Francisco, but that's already too well established to to break in his crime racket there. Uh, a couple of other places that he was out and about with, but um, then uh, I think it was 1897 or so, um, or 96, 97. There's a bunch of uh, uh, prospectors that sail into Seattle 
um, with <laughs> a lot, a lot of money that they found gold up in the up in the Yukon. Um, and the only way you could really get there is um, by ship and then sail up to Alaska and then cross over into Canada, into Yukon Territory, and with the hopes of striking a gold. Well, these first guys that came back, these first miners that came back, they were, I mean, filthy rich, filthy rich. And there was really about mm, 80 or 90 of these guys, but they're carrying suitcases. There was one report where this one guy, he's got so much gold coming off the ship in Seattle that the handle on his suitcase broke because it was so heavy <laughs> with the gold and stuff. <laughs> and uh, these, these other miners, after now that they struck it rich and stuff, they're they're throwing money out to the crowd and everything else. So, I mean, the word is quickly spreading that there's gold in the Yukon and uh, the United States was undergoing a, a bit of a recession right then at that time. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of people out of work. And, hey, screw this. Uh, I'm unemployed. Why not go up to a, go up to Alaska and go up into the Yukon Territory and try to I'll invest strike in Dogecoin with my stimulus checks. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. We'll be back in the back in the chips again. Um, so, how do you get there? I mean, it was an unbelievable journey just to be able to get there. And there's there's no airfare or anything um, and very little sea travel. But once the, the word spreads that there's gold up there, the, the Yukon gold rush is on. And uh, steamships are, are trying to get people as far north as they possibly can. And you were really one of the few opportunities that you had was to go into this Nothing of a, of a place called Skagway, Alaska. And in Skagway um, was really just a nothing. In, in July of 1897, Skagway had a population of one. One guy owned all of that property. And then they had a surveyor go up there and he starts surveying the whole thing. And all these people start now piling into, into Skagway because that was the jump off point um, to make the next overland route into the Yukon Territory. Within a year's time, the population jumps to like 15,000. Well, this is where Soapy Smith decides, hey, this is the next boom town. This is where I'm going to set up shop in, in Skagway, Alaska. It's not and, a bad place to pick. If you look at a picture of it, it actually reminds me of, a, a, I think it was called Hard Home, was uh, from Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. And they had that big zombie battle, that, that epic uh, like 10-minute scene at the end. It kind of looks like that when you look at the pictures of the place. So. It's pretty interesting here, and uh, in Skagway, Sobies again. He he's got a he's a man of moves. All right, he's a, it's a pretty simple playbook, but it's effective. He's going to go out there and ensure that um, he's going to put the law enforcement uh, in the area on his payroll, and he's going to go ahead and start uh, you know providing maybe the ideas of hey you know it'd be great if you guys had a whorehouse or a place to drink maybe a card <laughs> game right. or two. What, what do you guys need? Yeah, what are you going to do with all that gold in your pocket? Hey, yeah, he's a good time Johnny yeah. over here. Yeah. Our boy Soap, but uh, he will open up a saloon uh, and, again, puts the law on his payroll and becomes a little bit of a, a man of the town, if you will. He's a guy to be seen around. He goes, oh, that's Soapy Smith. You need something done. You go see Soapy. Yeah, well, he, uh, he scouted out Skagway uh, the year previous, too, that uh, he knew of, of what was happening up there and, and trying to scout things out. So he came into Skagway with a couple of his cronies already on, on board. So he came – once again, he comes into town – with his posse, with his crew, and uh, he starts setting up 
different establishments. And again, if there's there's nothing there a year ago, and now all of a sudden you've got thousands of people coming into town, there's a quick buck to be made for and sure. You and I were talking on the way down because we're going to land this plane here shortly because we're almost out of time. But I did want to because uh, we're going to finish the story here. But you are also saying that uh, the Yukon is so difficult that the Canadian Mounties were not allowing you into the territory unless you were properly supplied for it. You're right that they, they um, the Canadian government um, passed requirements that you had to substantiate that you were going to be able to survive. It, I mean, it's brutal. It's absolutely brutal. In order to mine the gold that was in the Yukon Territory, you had to dig through the permafrost. And you only had like two months out of the year that you could possibly do that. The guys were in the summertime, you could scrape off a couple of inches and then wait for the sunrise the next day to soften up the, the permafrost and scrape a little bit more. Or they would set fires and uh, melt the stuff so you could dig down a couple of feet, but yeah, as soon as you Jack that, London had plenty to write about. <laughs> yeah, I mean it was it was brutal. Uh, the one overland pass was known as Dead Horse Pass because of all the uh, livestock that was was killed, uh, just died. They just gave up and, and fell off the cliff, or or just died from uh, from exhaustion. Uh, uh, you had hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands, of these dead horses lining the side of the trail as they're trying to get into the Yukon Territory. So, What were the good people of Seattle being warned about? Because we had a good conversation on the car ride down. I want to make sure you hit this one. The good people of Seattle are being told to do what? Because there's such a, a boom heading up towards Oh, them. yeah, all these people, all these um, um, desperate people trying to make a buck. Um, they read these various guidebooks as to how to survive uh, up in the Yukon. And they also have the listing from the Canadian government of what you need to bring. And they say, oh, dogs. Well, you need dogs for your dog team that the people in Seattle are being warned to take your household pets. If your dog is more than 40 pounds, make sure you keep the dog inside because somebody's going to put the snatch on your dog thinking that they're going to be able to take somebody's household pet mm -hmm. Up to Alaska and make it a, a, a sled dog out of it. Which is, by the way, the call of the wild. That's Which, what that's about. It's a yep. dog that gets taken from a, a wealthy suburb and then brought out there. And that's yep. the call of the wild. Yeah, that's so. that's true stuff. That's not made up. That's Jack London, lose reception. Right. So, Jack London. Now, uh, out in Skagway here, uh, our boy, I wanted to, uh, just so people know, because this is how good the kahuna is. You don't know that he got up and walked out for a second just now, but we had to. Sit, you know, we, no, I, I'm glad you're back because we <laughs> held off on this detail for this. All right, because I'm so excited to tell you this one, buddy. Don't tell me he's part Muppet. <laughs> it's close. It's close. It is that good. If you, oh my God, I just came up with my casting couch. It's Gonzo. <laughs> <laughs> Rizzo oh the well, rat. that is that's yeah, better Rizzo. than. <laughs> I mean, if the Muppets did more classic stories, I think this would be a really cool adaptation. It would be, too. Now, this one is going to be exciting for you here. So um, one of the great cons yeah, in the good. history of cons, you've talked about Skagway, right? Skagway is this the, the door it's, to Alaska, if you Right, will. but it's a nothing. It goes from a nothing to uh, this boom town. Well, so Soap is running whores, gambling, and uh, booze, right? And uh, he's also he's got himself uh, some lawmen on the payroll, like we said. And then he also gets into a new business, Kahuna. He gets into this uh, idea. Um, he's actually going to, this is how good he is. He winds up running a telegraph company in town a full two years before the telegraph lines were even set up to run. So for, I'm, yeah. I'm not exaggerating, buddy. 
<laughs> there are no telegraph lines. <laughs> I love For two Sophie. years. Right. There oh are no telegraph God. lines into Skagway, but he's running a oh telegraph office in Skagway. And he's, Yo, he's charging the that, miners to send a message home to let them know, let the folks back home know that you're all right, that you made ballsy, it, and everything else. Man. But it even gets better because he's also accepting telegraph messages from the people back home. Of course, they come through collect. <laughs> <laughs> so these poor bastards have to pay up for a collect, a phony collect. But he's telegraph. the only telegraph in town. So what would happen is that there'd be people standing online waiting to send a fake telegraph home. That's again, he's been doing this for two years before the lines are even set up there. So uh, imagine you just telling me like, "Hey, great episode, guys," and you just never give me the thing. I'm getting some real South Harmon Institute of Technology vibes. <laughs> um, do you well, know that movie? No. Accepted. You've never seen Accepted? No. I, Justin I, Long opens up a fake college. Okay, I remember and, this actually. And, yeah. and and gets a bunch of people that just show up and hand him a bunch of money. Meanwhile, it's not a real college. <laughs> I'm just I love this. I love Sophie. I thought you said Gizmonic Institute at first. Oh no, South South Harmon Institute of Technology. You're a shithead. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's um here's the best part of Soap's whole gambit is because now as the people are waiting online to send telegraphs that aren't really getting sent that they're being charged for. Um, so fucked. Soap sends his other guys in there to set up three card Monty and shell games for the good people who are waiting online. Hey, why don't you guys pass the time with a, you know, uh, are, have you heard of three card Monty? Yeah, but, you know, we'll do a shell game here. You want to play poker? Yeah. So his guys are going in there and they're running their cons on the line that's waiting to be conned. So it's a con within a con within a con. All right. It's pretty common. Conception. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wait. Con yeah, that's already a word. <laughs> <laughs> Con air all the way. It is. Oh, it's the truth. Now, uh, even wilder, though, is like we're saying here, all this stuff's going on here. Soap's actually going to face more scrutiny here, though. There's something known as the Committee of Vigilance, a.k.a. a bit of a posse, that's going to be formed to stop him and his men from what is now pretty much just open corruption. So Soapy doesn't even hide it anymore. He was even heard to have said that uh, his swindles were no less dishonest than any of the politicians he'd ever met in his life. So he goes, yeah, I do what I do, but I'm honest about it, right? I'm better than these politicians, right? You know, yeah. these jerk-offs in Washington over here, these guys. <laughs> so now when the Committee of 101 will threaten his interests in the town, Soap will form his own little army called the Law and Order Society. Dun-dun. <laughs> You're kidding. <laughs> yeah, well, the, the, uh, the, uh, the, the one side set up this thing of the, uh, the public uh, warning of the Committee of uh, 101, they put up a posted a posted notice that um, anybody that's um, caught with card cheating or you know flim flamming people and everything else are going to be dealt with severely in my criminal justice system. Right. So <laughs> it, 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 they're, they're vigilantes, really, is what they're they're trying to come against this corrupt machine that Soapy Smith is now the the uh, the named king. Um, so what does Soapy do? He he puts out his own public warning saying that if anybody comes after some people uh, in an unlawful manner or tries to vigilante justice, then um, my committee of 317 are going to answer the, answer the call of your 101. Yeah, he's got a crew. Oh so now he's got his own little army here. And by the way, because he is Soapy Smith and because he is Emperor Norton and Dan Sickles level douchebag, 
Um, he's got one more great move that he's going to throw out here. Um, Soap will actually write and get formal recognition from President McKinley as the commanding officer of the Skagway Military Company that will serve stateside and be in Skagway uh, and could be called upon if the need should arise during the Spanish-American War. Now, why did we not need to call on the good Skagway Military Company, Dad? Because there was a guy by the name of Teddy motherfucking Roosevelt just <laughs> running buck wild over in Cuba. <laughs> we didn't need him. We didn't need soap up in, up in Alaska to have anything That's to do with the That's how you heard Kona Spanish. slam the door shut yeah, on yeah. the way out. Get the yeah. fuck out of here. Kona just dropped the mic. But we, He's speak, everywhere. We got to drop Soapy now, too, unfortunately. Oh, you got to be kidding me. Well, uh... What's the year? Well, it's interesting because, uh, as we said, he gets this um, this setup now at the Skagway Military Company. Gets formally recognized by the President of the United States. So on July 4th of that year, Soap will ride on his horse as part of the celebratory parade and will wind up sitting next to the governor and several like other officials. Now imagine you're the guy that tries to send a, uh, a, a telegraph home that never gets there and you lost all your money in the shell game here. And, and that guy, the biggest scumbag in town, is up on stage next to the governor because he's been recognized by the government as a commanding officer of a military. You're like, oh, wow, I'm a fucking idiot. Yeah, but you see the the uh, the uh, the quick rise. I mean, he comes into Skagway like in, in 1897, in July of 1897. And now a year later, 1898, he's... In this Fourth of July parade with the governor, but he's also the grand marshal of the parade. So I mean, he is—he is the king of Skagway. He is the king of of uh, that whole situation uh, up in Alaska so type be, of a thing. So, so be so, he, so be. He is, you know, he might be a scumbag, but he is the man. He's—he is. Mm, you're, you're answering to that, yeah, so <laughs> scum. Um, well, on July. Fourth of that year is when he's going to be a part of this. Now, uh, this is the high water mark for old Soapy because a few days later, on July 7th, events would take place that will end Soapy's third empire. His men had conned a miner who had struck it rich into playing three-card Monte with them. After losing big, of course, the uh, miner refused to pay Soapy's men his losses. So they went ahead and took the money by force. They grabbed a sack of the money and ran off with it. And this Committee of Vigilance, a.k.a. the uh, Committee 101, the 101 Army, as they were called, um, would order Soapy's men to give it back. So remember, that's the vigilantes that were formed yeah, to try to counter his you know, uh, power in the, the town, if you will. And uh, Soapy goes, nah, that money was rightfully won in a fair game of three-card Monty, so why don't you guys uh, you know, go fuck yourselves? <laughs> we're not giving you nothing. And uh, then on that night, July 8th, uh, the Committee of Vigilance will be holding a meeting about what to do with Soapy at uh, Juno Wharf. Yeah, but before you jump into that Juno Wharf meeting, the this Committee of 101 tried to have a meeting to decide what the heck are we going to do that we now have Soapy Smith's men conned this poor miner out of a lot, a lot of money. Cause, and it wasn't just money. It was also the gold dust that he just brought back into town to uh, turn into hard currency. Um they try to have this meeting set up as to what we're going to do with Soapy Smith and his corrupt uh, uh, gang. Um, and that initial meeting had to be called off and moved to a different location oh, I know this part. because 
Soapy had a lot of his own guys infiltrate the committee of 101 to find out what the what the enemy, what the other side is doing. You know how they figured that out? Because they said, uh, what should we do about Soapy Smith? Oh, no, let's talk about it over a game of three-card Monty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, so that initial meeting was, was uh, postponed and then moved on to uh, Juno Wharf. Now, Juno Wharf was just a, a loading area, but it was a long, long wharf because um, Skagway wasn't any big harbor town kind of a thing. It was rocky, uh, tough terrain, coastal coastline that they had this really long wharf going out as far as they possibly could to get to the tidal flats so that stuff could actually be brought in off the major ships onto smaller ships. But by having at the end of this long, long Juno Wharf, they could have guys posted along the wharf to make sure that it wasn't any of Soapy Smith's men infiltrating the meeting of the 101. So, you know, they, they, they were posting guards at the, at the gate kind of a thing that you're not getting into the club unless uh, you're, on the, <laughs> you're on the invite list. In theory. Um, oh. Now, even better is that uh, one of the guys that's guarding him is uh, the entrance to this wharf, if you will, this guy by the name of uh, Frank Reed. So now Soapy's actually going to walk on down to this meeting that's being held to figure out what the hell to do with him. And he goes down there. Soapy's got a mean reputation. He's a pretty powerful guy. He was just the grand marshal of a parade in the city. And he walks on down there with a Winchester rifle just kind of strung over his shoulders like, hey, uh, kind of like Larry Bird uh, going into the, uh, the three-point shooting contest when he looks around the locker room. He goes... Hey, uh, which one of you motherfuckers is coming in second? <laughs> so some of the, the great trash talk ever, but definitely a big dick energy move here for old Soapy Smith. Uh, so he walks on down there. And uh, of course, uh, this is, you know, people are a little bit nervous about him. He's walking down there with a gun and uh, Smith is actually going to be assaulted. Our boy Soap gets uh, assaulted by Frank Reed, who had been tasked with guarding the entrance to this second meeting. So, there was two bodyguards on duty that night. It was Frank Reed's and Christian Cordes, right? <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to figure out where I was going to see. I think Cordes did the skedaddle, though. As soon as he yeah. saw Soapy coming down with a 4440 like, nah. over his like, shoulder, nah. he said, Mm-mm, uh, not my fight. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, a gunfight will break out. And unfortunately, uh, so Frank Reed does get the distinction of being the man who killed Soapy Smith. But Frank Reed does not get to enjoy it because Frank Reed also dies in the gunfight. He dies a couple of days later, I believe. Um, but Soap's final words were, oh, my God, don't shoot. Are you serious? <laughs> my God, don't shoot were his final words. Yeah. Uh, Soap dies instantly from a gunshot wound to the chest. Uh, that's three empires all built off cons and sleight of hands that finally caught up with him but not before he etched his name into the history books of scumbags. So, LP, any closing thoughts on our boy Soap? Uh, no, just that, um, I mean, that was the end of Soapy, but it was also the end of his gang, too, because uh, after, the, after Soapy is killed, there's a major uh, cleanup of all of Soapy's men that uh, there was a total of 26 of his Soapy's gang that were rounded up that they filled the jail. The, the jail was overflowing, so they put a lot of these guys in an upstairs uh, room with guards posted, and now this whole uh, committee of 101 or the various vigilantes, if you will, are now looking for blood to uh, wrong the uh, correct the wrongs of past deeds. Uh, so they're they're forming a lynch mob, 
And uh, one of the guys jumps out the window and starts to run away. Well, he's the first guy that they that they snatch up and, and are looking to hang. Uh, and it wasn't until a detachment of U.S. Army infantry uh, are summoned in by uh, a judge that saved the guy. <laughs> the guy that jumped out the window, his name, Slim Jim. <laughs> <laughs> so all, all Slim Jim thought it better be better to jump out the window than to face to face a, a lynch mob out in the street. But and oh. he's saved by the he's saved by the cavalry. But and you see this often too with history is that something that will happen that is definitely a bad thing. Bad people will get their comeuppance, but then the people perpetrating the bad onto the bad person wind up doing something worse. You see that happen a little bit too often, man. It gets wild with it. it uh, another Game of Thrones thing, too, where you're like, you think you're on one person's side, and then you're like, ooh, well, I don't know if I like that. That's a little bit too far, guys. So Old Soap, he definitely had people, because as soon as you can die, too, you get lionized a little bit because people talk about, if it wasn't for Soapy Smith, this town wouldn't have this. And this and my family back in Missouri, they wouldn't know that I was okay. <laughs> From that telegram. Yeah, and I never would have had a, how can I find my, what? <laughs> <laughs> They yeah, wouldn't and know you were alive if it wasn't for all Soapy. Yeah, that's sure. That's true. It's uh, but he was a, a piece of work, man. And um, so I, I'm being honest. I think I would do Soapy Smith. It would be Soapy and Smith, and it would be Gonzo and Rizzo the Rat as a combo team that they were both Soapy and Smith. Yep, Soapy and Smith. Yeah, like Charles Dickens. That's what they did in. Uh, oh shit, you're right. Yeah, that's what they did for that. Oh, the um, Christmas story. Yeah, for Christmas Carol. Christmas Carol, yeah, oh, yeah. Now I'm God. excited because Kahuna jumped on one right away. Now, Dad, if you had to think about it, if you were going to make a movie about Soapy Smith, what's uh, an actor that jumps out at you? I, Christian Cordes, I guess, would be the, the best guy. Top five. Top, top five. five. Yeah, it's a top five. Oh, and just, uh, just a little uh, final point here, too. Frank Reed, the guy who sh- shot Soapy Smith through the heart. Indeed. Uh, he died of, of wounds that Soap, Soap was able to get in a lick or two with his 4440. Um, and uh, Reed died 12 days later. So 12 days later, there it is. Yeah, so he... Uh, he doesn't get to enjoy it. He, no, he didn't get any, any fame or, um, out of that while he was still alive anyhow. And the newspaper article that comes out that announces the death of Soapy Smith, uh, famous gambler and con man, uh, Frank Reed calls uh, Smith's final bluff. Yep, so <laughs> right. there's a little poker joke in there, so... Yeah, the New York uh, Daily News going out and making a little pun headline about uh, Soapy Smith getting shot. Cool. <laughs> but Cahoons, I'm excited. Yeah. Uh, so I got uh, I got three choices just because I, I couldn't kind of pick. But one, the first one that came to my mind that I was like, KP, hey, I know who I want to play Soapy. Well, it's got to be Matthew McConaughey, right? Oh, my God. Yeah, it actually was Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> <laughs> Matthew McConaughey was that choice. Uh Jim Carrey, I thought, could do this pretty well. I love it. Jim Carrey, I think, could play this character yeah. really, really well. With mask energy? Yeah. <laughs> Immediately, you, you can just picture uh, him coming into Denver with like a bunch of hookers up. Somebody stop it. <laughs> <laughs> and then the other one, this is more of a wild card, but I think it could be an interesting movie if he also directed it and wrote it. John Favreau. Ooh, I like that one, man. Because I also a, just watched Chef for the first time, so I'm like in a, <laughs> in a mood. I also watched Swingers, so I was like, oh, yeah, this is, yeah, I'm on a, I'm on a kick Vince right now. Vince Vaughn could probably play the shit out of this role. You I, think so? I do, because I, I, I think there's nothing that man can't do, unfortunately. Vaughn? Yeah. yeah. 
I, I like the McConaughey uh, angle too. I do like Matthew you guys McConaughey. Play Free Monte. Be so much cooler if you did. Right. That part See, of it would, is a little too slow for that because three card Monty is you got to be a little quicker than that. You know, it's a follow the queen, follow the queen, follow the queen. See, it would have for me. It would have to either be like an SNL or In Living Color alumni. Like I think, like I think to get because I feel like there's so much comedy in this story. Soapy Smith hated it. <laughs> <laughs> like this almost has Blues Brothers energy. Like, Ooh, I think Dan okay. Aykroyd could have played this character pretty well That's if pretty it was good. still, if it was of the time. Oh, his his brother's name was Bascom, which if that's not a Belushi character, then what is, right? <laughs> John Belushi and, uh, and my buddy Mike Cannon showcasing the comedic power of eyebrows. Um, but uh, I'll tell you what, anything else on the way out here? Yeah, I just had to throw this one in for, for the kahuna, too, because, uh, you know, Soapy Smith was played by a lot of people uh, through the years in various b-western movies and that type of thing but um one of the ones one of my faves was uh scrooge mcduck (laughs) (laughs) scrooge mcduck actually made his money in the gold rush in alaska where he had to deal with a guy by the name of soapy slick (laughs) and soapy slick was was based off of the character soapy smith so Oh, um, man. And they say in the, the Call of the Wild with Harrison Ford in it, there's a guy who looks just like, um, definitely looks like Soapy Smith that is like a featured background extra on that. And then also the character, there's a the, the game Gun that came out on Xbox and PlayStation 2 back in the day. There's mm-hmm. a character named Soapy that's like a bank robber. Uh, uh, Has there ever been a direct portrayal of him that isn't just like, hey, let's allude to it, like... I think he'd be a minor character in some stuff, but I don't think he ever got a full-on movie made about him, which he mm-hmm. should. Uh, you know, American Loser Productions people, call us. Oh, please. <laughs> we are working on some stuff on that one. And uh, again, I do want to say thank you to everybody. If you cannot afford to join the Patreon, I totally understand. Maybe leave us a written review over on the. Uh, Wait, uh, before we me. go, what was the connection to the, the Magic Castle? Why do they roast him every year? They hold a party in his honor because that's how good of a memory that uh, he's conjured up. Remember, when, when someone dies, you forget all the bad stuff and you remember the good. Yeah. Right? That always happens. So the reason why they honor him there is because uh, his mastery of the sleight of hand has kind of made him a little bit of a, a pop culture um, renaissance man. He had a, a second act, if you will, uh, from Beyond the Grave where people are like, oh, yeah, good old Soapy Smith. Yeah, he was a purveyor of the arts, the arts, the magic of sleight of hand. Right. And, that, right. and that party happens on the on the anniversary of his death. It's July the 8th is when that magic uh, castle uh, party, the party takes goes place. Down. And that's the, that's the LA, date KP. that I would love that. <laughs> that's the date that Soapy uh, parted our parted our happy shores on July the eighth, eighteen ninety eight. See, I actually think I might be in LA around that time. I'm gonna try and go. I would lose my mind on that one for you. I'm gonna so try and go to this. to the Winchester House. <laughs> Your picture no. money can say. <laughs> Hell no, my stepping foot in the Winchester House. I forgot. I forgot. That's a rule. <laughs> that's a rule. All of my black friends made it very clear. They goes, we don't do that shit. All right, that's white <laughs> Hell people no. shit. <laughs> Good God, oh, don't man. put that out there. But I want to say thank you so much to everybody who uh, listens to the show. I want to say thank you again to my buddies Mike Cannon and Mike Feeney, who I'll be working with a bunch. They're, they're legit buddies. Mike, come see them. Check out my guest appearance on uh, their show. I tell a, uh, a legal story that I've hinted to on this uh, podcast every now and then about maybe some property I might have bought somewhere one time with somebody. Uh, I tell that story in full 
on their show, Irish Goodbye Podcast. Please check them out over at Gas Digital. They're doing something pretty cool over there. I like what they're doing. Thank you to Mike and Ming over to Shared Universe for giving us the, the gift that is the kahuna behind the ones and twos here today. Um, Lawrence Patrick, thank you for making me love history. And again, thank you so much to the founding losers. Because of you guys, we get to keep this bad boy rolling out there. So if you're a freeloader, okay, I'm teasing. You're not really a freeloader because I like the listens. I need all the listens I can get. Uh, but if you can't afford to join the Patreon, maybe consider leaving us a written review or maybe just follow us over on Instagram. Uh, also, if you feel like it, send me a message on Instagram. Let me know who you are, what you listen to with the show, because I do like hearing from you guys. And if you get a response back, you do get it from me. All right. And thank you so much for that one. Guys, that was Soapy Smith, American Loser. An American Loser the day I was born. An American Loser the day I was born. An American Loser the day I was born.